You know, pastor says frequently, be sure you recognize that Holy Spirit is a person, not the mystical Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, individual parts of the Trinity. In Luke 11, uh, Jesus said, how much more will the Father give the gift of Holy Spirit to you if you ask him? So we, we need to understand that we need to invite Holy Spirit in to come and live inside of us. This is the Spiritual Pillar series. Pastor Mark spoke last week about the pillar of identity, faith, hope, and love, his, his identity in Christ. But the main thing he emphasized, it's hard to see on the slide there, but there's a foundation under those pillars. If your foundation isn't built on the solid rock that is Jesus, those pillars are going to crumble. So we can teach and teach, but we have to start with that identity that he spoke about, the identity that is Christ. And actually, Pastor Mary and Pastor Stephanie, thank you for those kind words, and we miss you so much. But Pastor Marion actually started the series the week before, even though the series wasn't started. You remember what he preached about? The pillar of grace, the foundational pillar of grace and mercy. And he set the stage. I'm a, not a pastor, I'm not a preacher. Uh, I'm blessed to be a believer and a physician who uh, loves the Lord. I, uh, I grew up in this area and uh, went to Asbury University, which is Mark's alma mater, and um, then went to the University of Kentucky to medical school. And while I was at the University of Kentucky, I had um, a rotation at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. And it just happened that there was a physician there who uh, had been a commissioned officer in the United States Public Health Service. And he got to know me pretty well, and he found out that I had a subspecialty interest in addition to OBGYN and infectious disease. And so um, that kind of passed. I spent my time there, but he had contact with some people in Washington. So when I started my residency at the University of Virginia, um, I was contacted by the commissioner of the United States Public Health Service. We need our first gynecologist in the service to be at the CDC, stationed at the CDC as a lieutenant commander. Would you be interested? Well, it just fit my niche, OBGYN, infectious disease. And then the third part of it was that while I was at Virginia, I was trained by a resident who had trained in Germany with the Stortz Company, which is the largest manufacturer of endoscopic instruments in the world. And he had learned laparoscopy, and he came back and he taught me. I mean, little did I know that the study that the government wanted to do in Atlanta involved laparoscopy, 
the first ever study done to use laparoscopy to diagnose and treat pelvic inflammatory disease in women. So God has his way. Here this guy at Pennsylvania recommends me to Washington, and then I go to Virginia, and I'm trained, and uh, it opened every door for me. I was traveling around the world. I was speaking. I was just in seventh heaven, um, but it was all about me. Uh, I, uh, I thought I was pretty tough stuff, and um, I was kind of glued to, to what was happening and all that was rolling in. And, you know, our egos can get puffed up and uh, also can get popped real easily. Uh, I returned here to Lexington, uh, continued doing research. I ran the residency program at, at Baptist Health uh, for the university, and I, uh, I was doing what I thought I should be doing. I was a believer, but I wasn't free. I wasn't truly happy. So today, we're going to talk about several aspects uh, of content. So you, you will know immediately that I'm not a pastor because if I was a pastor, I'd have three points, right? So we're going to have five. So number one, what is freedom? I think we've got those back there. Number two, are you in need of spiritual freedom or are you living in denial, which Elder Mark's already touched on? Number three, some biblical examples of being set free. We'll use the man by the pool at Bethesda, and we'll talk a little bit about Legion. We'll talk about the prodigal son. And then some biblical examples of choices that are made after freedom occurs. Really important part. And then what will you do with your freedom? Are you going to be set free and then go back? to what you did before, or are you going to live in your freedom? So those are the things that we want to touch on today. Uh, what is freedom? You probably have a definition of your own, but actually the dictionary says it's to be released from someone or something that keeps you bound or captive. To be released from someone or something that keeps you bound or captive. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a book about freedom from slavery. Starts that way, finishes that way. And so when you read the Bible, read the aspects of freedom that God is trying to tell you about. Uh, to understand freedom, it's my contention that you can't know what freedom is unless you have been enslaved. If you haven't been a slave, how can you know what it's like to not be a slave? And I'm thinking about Parker. We need to be teaching our young people this from a very young age because that's where this addiction and slavery and bonding begins for a lot of young people. A slave to sin is someone who cannot help but choose sin and addiction because they're bound to it and they've lost control of it. It controls them. 
So unless you've been enslaved, you can't know what freedom really is. Um, when I say the word slavery, I would say for 99% of us, the first thing that comes to mind is racial slavery. I, I mean, that's just what we think about because of our sordid past as a nation. Uh, several weeks ago, Marshall Fields and I did a podcast. He had heard about my father's work in Jessamine County uh, integrating the school system when he was superintendent of schools, and he asked if I would do uh, a podcast with him and, and talk about that. Actually turned into two podcasts, I think. Um, but you see, I was only giving a description of events that happened as I recalled them, but I had not been a slave. So I can say that I understood about it, and, and even today, many black people can talk about what slavery was in their relatives, but they, don't, they haven't experienced it individually. I never had to sit in the back of a bus. I never had to go to a different restroom. I, so I, I can't tell you what that feels like, but I do know that my father believed that every human being created by God deserves an opportunity to achieve whatever they want to achieve and to have a quality education in order to do so. He, he watched diligently as Dr. King taught us peaceful demonstration, and he bought into that. And so he led the integration of the school system in Jessamine County. What do I know about that? I know that some guys in a white robe, in white robes, burned a cross in our front yard. And I know that my little five foot two, 110 pound mother stood at the front door with her arms up to keep them from getting in, and us three little children were behind her. That, that was my experience, but I wasn't a slave. So we gotta be careful when we talk about freedom from slavery and make sure that we understand what we're talking about. Another aspect of, of being enslaved is, is unrecognized sin. We're gonna talk a little bit later about the rich young ruler. But in my opinion, in our work with recovery, unrecognized sin and addiction is, uh, is a terrible thing. It's a, a, an area that leads many people to devastation in their lives. And then addiction. Uh, whatever your substance of choice is, remember that lust is our greatest addiction when we would desire something that we don't have. Smokers are enslaved to nicotine. Alcoholics enslaved to alcohol. Workaholics, yes, workaholics enslaved to achievement. Food addicts enslaved to indulgence. Drug addicts to their substance. Control addicts enslaved to insecurity. You'll hear more about that from me in just a moment. Sexual addicts enslaved to lust. How did Jesus define sexual sin, adultery? In the heart, right? If you've thought about it, if it's in your mind, you've already done the act, even if you haven't done the act. Gossips enslaved to lying and jealousy. Codependents enslaved to performance by others. Gamblers enslaved to risking it all. In all of these areas of addiction, individuals are choosing 
temporary satisfaction versus permanent fulfillment. Please write that down. My guys know that by heart. Choosing temporary satisfaction instead of permanent fulfillment. Let's talk about the world's definition of freedom and the biblical definition of freedom because they're two different things. The world defines freedom as the absence of restrictions and restraints or as license. So when the world talks about setting me free, I want to be free, it's let me do whatever I want to do. Don't tell me it's my body, I'll do with it what I want. It's my um, choice to do whatever I want in the world. If I want to buy a gun, I have the right to use it in whatever way I want to use. If I can drive a car, I can go as fast as I want wherever I want to go. Don't tell me what to do with my freedom. The biblical definition of freedom, however, is not the absence of restrictions, but the implementation of the right restrictions. The biblical definition of freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but the implementation of the right restrictions. Have you seen a train driving down I-75 recently? Trains go on tracks, right? An engineer can drive a train as much as he wants and pretty much go whatever speed he wants, but he's limited by the tracks. And that's what God does for us. When the children of Israel were freed from slavery, God immediately gave them what? Ten Commandments. He said, guys, these are the restrictions that I'm placing on you to protect you, not to limit you, but there are correct restrictions in order for you to be able to flourish. You see, it's, I told Pastor Mark, it's my opinion that God allowed the children of Israel to go into slavery so that they would understand what freedom is all about. So that they, when they were set free, they would follow his guidelines and restrictions, but they didn't do it, did they? Over and over and over going back, going back, going back. God gives us the right restrictions to protect us in our freedom. Now, I'm going to say something that it may be a barb to you, but we are all here today, those watching, every one of us, us, are in need of deliverance from something that is holding us in slavery. There's something in our lives, it may be hidden, it may be pushed back, it may be repressed, that you need to be in freedom for. Paul talked about this a lot. Romans 6, 16, this is the amplified version. Do you not know that when you continually dabble and offer yourselves to someone or something to do his will, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey, either slaves of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness, which is right standing with God. He had previously said in verses 11 through 14, even so, consider to yourselves to be dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive to God in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, 
be in charge, be your ruler, be what drives you, so that you obey its lusts and passions in your mind and actions. Do not go on offering the members of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but offer yourselves to God in a decisive act as those alive raised from the dead to a new life and your members, all of your abilities, sanctified, a choice made, sanctified, and set apart as instruments of righteousness yielded to God. For sin will no longer be a master over you, since you are not under the law as slaves, but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. Pastor told us two weeks ago, that unmerited favor, that grace, is a gift of Holy Spirit that he wants you to have. Romans 6, 6 and 7, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Jesus enables you to put sin to death. See, Paul wrote about this so much because he was a slave to sin. He understood what each of us goes through. He understood how easily it was to appear to be doing the right thing. Oh, I go to Bethel every Sunday. I put my ties in. I keep all the ordinances of the church. But over here, I'm killing people. Paul understood that, and he wants us to understand what slavery and freedom is. 1 John 1.8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The main thing that keeps us from being set free, I said before, I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it before we finish, is living in denial. Denial that we are slaves and in need of freedom. Denial is actually a form of lying to yourself and to others because you, you want to protect your image. It hurts too much to admit that I do this or do that. It has to be secret because what would the people of the church think? What would my friends think? Especially among believers who don't want their true self to be known. Denial of sin and addiction keeps us enslaved to it. What are some of the common issues? Anger and rage. I think I've got a book, I'm working on a book right now that pastor prophesied over on the way miracles happen, uh, my fifth book. But the, the other book that's coming is called Simmering Anger. I believe we are a nation of people who live with simmering anger. There's this smoldering stuff inside and it just wants to rise up. And, and destroy. Sexual dysfunction, marital, non-marital. Often today, uh, look at the media, look at, at movies. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not. Engage in, in your sexual activity, substance use and abuse. Spending more than you have or spending on yourself rather than others. Lust and greed, which are sins of the heart. Control issues, unforgiveness. You see, hidden sin is devastating. You know the story of the, of the rich young ruler in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? And so this 
man had three descriptions. He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. So he had a lot of money, either inherited it or made it. And he was pretty young. He was probably 27, 28 like me. And he, he was a ruler. He, he was in charge. He told people what to do, and they did it, and he was in charge. And he came to Jesus, and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life, right? And Jesus rattled off the commandments. This is what you need to do. And he said, well, Lord, I've, I've done that all my life. I came to Bethel every Sunday. I put my tithe in. I kept all the commandments. Pastor told me not to do this and to do this, and I've done it. And Jesus said, good. Jesus saw his hidden sin. And he had two hidden sins. One was greed. He wanted to hold on to what he had. And the other was that he was a ruler and wanted to remain in control because Jesus said, go and sell all you have and give to the poor. And then what did he say? Come back and follow me. And the story ends by saying that he went away sadly. He didn't want to give up his money, but he also didn't want to give up control. He was enslaved to control. And he truly didn't want to be free. Uh, John 8, 31 and 32 says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He explained the truth to the rich young ruler, but he couldn't accept it. And he walked away sadly. Between the ages of uh, 8 and 11, I was sexually abused by older teenage girls. I had things done to me. I was taught things that no child should ever have to experience. My parents didn't know about it. It was all in secret. When I was 14 years of age in a revival, I gave my life to Christ. I bowed at an altar. I remember weeping until I, I couldn't cry anymore confessing to God all of my sins, all that had happened. And I don't know, there was kind of a teaching at that time and maybe still exists that just leave it at the altar. Just, just kneel and leave it at the altar and everything will be okay. But you know it wasn't. Because I carried what had been done to me into my later life. And the effect that it had on, to, on me, it affects different people different ways, was I wanted to control and manipulate. I needed to be in control so nothing would happen. I needed to manipulate so that nothing would happen to me. I wouldn't feel rejection. I wouldn't feel abandonment. I wouldn't have those things happen, but I had to maintain control. And, and in my medical school training and into my residency, and even when I was, as I said, at the CDC... I had to be in control. I was enslaved to control and manipulation. I was um, appointed uh, by President Bush to um, an FDA uh, committee, and I would frequently have to go to either Maryland or Washington, D.C., and 
my secretary would schedule my, my trips. And she knew exactly when I needed to be there. I'd get there late in the afternoon. I'd go to the hotel. I'd go to congressional testimony if I had to do it, which is what this was the next day. And then I'd head home. But she messed up my, my plans. And she got me there in Washington early on a Sunday morning. It was pouring down rain, torrential rain. And I was stuck in my hotel room with nothing to do, couldn't get out on the streets or anything. And I had my Bible with me. I opened my Bible. And I read, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Anyone who comes to me, comes to the Father, must come through me. And I will, I will teach you the truth. And Holy Spirit began to move. That's the reason I wanted Holy Spirit sung this morning. Holy Spirit began to move on me. And you've, you've experienced, I know Miss Gwen's experienced when the Holy Spirit spoke and, and it was almost audible, but it wasn't audible. And the Holy Spirit said to me as clearly as I stand here today, David, we can't, we can't use you anymore until you resolve these issues. I mean, I was going all over the place. I'd already written a textbook and a book. I, I was doing all these things, but God was saying to me, we can't use you unless you deal with this. And right there in that hotel room, I said, whatever it takes. And I asked Holy Spirit to move to deliver me from this control and manipulation. Not, I was a believer, but I wasn't set free. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what he wants is for us to be set free. Not carrying all this baggage and burden. And he set me free. And I've, glory to God, haven't been the same since. So I want us to watch a video right now about another man that was set free. And um, they're going to cue that up and pay, pay particular attention to the video.
Thanks. So, what is it about this story, the man by the pool at Bethesda, that has anything to do with freedom? It's a little bit hard to understand, but this man had been laying there for 38 years. Why did Jesus notice this man? Miss Pat reminded me last week, there's something about his eyes. Do you notice how the focus was? Jesus said, look me in my eyes. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be, have this slavery to, to being lame taken away from you? And he couldn't even speak the words. He just nodded his head. See, this man had been laying right outside the door of Bethel Harvest Church for 38 years. He was right beside the synagogue, and people had gone past every day for 38 years. There were a lot of people there, a lot of people who were sick, but Jesus chose this man. He had an, a desire for this man to be whole, to be set free. And then he said to him, what? Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus used that phrase several times when he healed people. Get up, trust me, walk, obey me. But he told him to pick up his dirty, stinking, rotten mat that he'd been laying on for 38 years. Jesus, what? <laughs> Why are you asking him to do that? Because he wanted his mat to remind him of 
what he had been healed and set free from, who had set him free, and to be a testimony because he told him to wind, wrap it up and carry it. And in the next scene, he's in the church and the leaders of the church are furious because he's working on Sunday carrying his mat and didn't want to have anything to do with it. Not everyone is going to understand your deliverance from whatever you're enslaved to. They may criticize you. They may not want anything to do with you. But when he tells you, get up, walk, and carry your testimony with you, we need to do that. We need to do that. Okay. What are you doing with your freedom? If you understand what it is to be in slavery and have been set free by Jesus, you have choices to make. There are always choices. What does pastor say all the time? We are the product of our choices, okay? Um, a dog returns to his vomit. Abused person returns to the abuser. The addict returns to their drug of choice. So often, repeating that behavior, just like the children of Israel. Galatians 4, 8 and 9 says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who were by nature not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are uh, turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Why are you going back? I've set you free. I, after 38 years, I set you free. Don't, don't go back there. Carry your mat. Let other people know. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The children of Israel returned over and over. They made bad choices. He offered them good choices, restrictions that would enable them not to suffer damage and hurt, and they chose the wrong thing. In Luke 15, we have the story of the younger son. There was an elder son, a younger son. The younger son decided... I'm going to rebel. I want what I want now. He asked for half of the inheritance. Normally, he would get a third. The older brother gets two-thirds, but he wanted half. He took it, and he squandered it. He started seeing prostitutes. He started doing drugs. He started shooting up a little bit. He started partying, and the next thing you know, he had nothing. He made a bad choice out of his freedom to be, do his own thing. Don't tell me what to do. I will do my own thing. But he came to his senses, and then he made a good choice, and he decided to go back home. And who did he find on the road back home? Daddy. Arms outstretched. I've been waiting for you, buddy. I've been waiting for you to make the right choice. And he embraced him. And the younger son said, I'll go back and I'll be a slave. I'll be a servant. And daddy said, no, you won't. Slavery is over with. You're set free. And uh, he was indeed set free.
When you're set free, it's important to walk daily in your freedom or else that person or thing which enslaved you keeps you a victim. Make good choices. I tell the guys, when you're set free from something and you're tempted to go back there, do B, C, D. Take a deep breath, call on the name of Jesus, and distance yourself from what you're being tempted to do. I have yet to see an individual who is calling out the name of Jesus move into sin and addictive behavior. It, it just doesn't happen. You're calling to him, he sets you free. Do BCD, take a deep breath, call on the name of Jesus, and distance yourself. How do you maintain your freedom? Well, I contend that you have to be in yoke with Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 from the message says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest, a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, Jesus says, I know it's tough out there, guys. I know the world you live in. I lived in it. I know what it's like to face temptation. But get in yoke with me. You know, in the Old Testament, it says, don't yoke an ox with a donkey. You know why? They don't go at the same pace. One stronger than the other. Jesus says, get in yoke with me. Walk at my pace. Let me be your guide. Let me show you how to live in true freedom. He offers us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He wants our minds to be free. Paul talked a lot about our minds being set free. You, uh, I did some research work with Dr. Jay Geed at National Institutes of Health, and he did these elaborate Doppler flow studies on young people, uh, late teens, early 20s, and they studied them in all types of, of situations, particularly stimulatory situations. And what he found was between the axon and the dendrite in the brain, you all remember that from neurology, right? There, there's synapses that are formed. And whenever you experience an exciting event or a stimulatory event, a synapse is formed in your brain. We have billions of synapses in our brain. You see something that's exciting. You do something that's exciting. You ride your first roller coaster. Whatever it is, a synapse is formed. Synapses can wither a bit with disuse, but they never go away. What we have found in our recovery ministry is there is only one power that can sever synapses, and that's Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. Only the power of Holy Spirit can come in and sever that synapse so you're not having those flashbacks. You're not having that desire to go back to the behavior that you wanted before. On January 1st, 
1863, President Abraham Lincoln issued an executive order number 95. You know it as the Emancipation Proclamation. And in that Emancipation Proclamation, he declared that all of the slaves in the rebellious states were set free. Why didn't he say all the states? Well, the northern states, their state legislatures had already enacted legislation that set slaves free back by 1844. But in 1863, on January the 1st, Lincoln signed with a pen the Emancipation Proclamation. Was slavery abolished at that moment? Unfortunately not. We have continued to discriminate. We've continued to misuse. We continued to have segregated schools and segregated bathrooms. But the act was initiated and hopefully, hopefully we will continue to make progress in spite of our shortcomings. It was 2,000 years before that that God issued an Emancipation Proclamation. He allowed his son Jesus to go to the cross. Nails, wrists and feet. And that Emancipation Proclamation declaring you free, us free, was signed in blood. Signed by the blood of Jesus. Just like with me in that room, hotel room in Washington, God said, David, you're free. Live in your freedom. And that's what he wants for each of us here today. We've got to move out of denial, folks. We've got to move out of this thing that I'm doing everything right like the rich young ruler and, and have something that's pulling us down. It's not his will for our lives. So I have questions for you today. Are you still living in denial about your slavery to sin like the young ruler? If you were once set free, have you returned to dabble in your slavery? Are you making the right choices and implementing the right restrictions that will protect you in your life? Are you applying God's grace, receiving what we don't deserve in your life? Do you believe Romans 8.1? There is therefore now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't blame you. He just wants to set you free. Are you living in yoke with Jesus daily or are you living to carry the burden of lust and temptation alone and falling victim? Have you picked up your mat? Are you sharing your story of freedom with others? 1 Peter 3.15 says you must always be prepared to share your story. In the Korean court system formally, when a person was accused of a crime, they had to enter the court with their head bowed. That head had to remain bowed throughout the course of the trial until the verdict was rendered. 
And if the person was declared guilty, they left the courtroom with their head bowed. But if they were declared innocent, the judge left his stand, would go down to the individual and put his fingers under their head and lift their head up. Do you know what Psalm 3.3 says? You are the one who lifts up our head. He doesn't want you walking out of here today with your head bowed. He wants you to allow him to lift your head up. I'm going to ask us to stand. As, uh, I, know, I know you're believers. I know you all have received Jesus as Savior and Lord, but I just feel like there's some things that maybe we need to let go of. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's road rage. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. I don't know. But I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every person here, please bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to reach up toward heaven with your right hand. Why your right hand? Because God says he stretches his mighty right hand to us to lift us out of the pit. And I'm going to ask that as we reach, we open our hands and feel his grip on our hand as we choose freedom. And he promises that he will set us free. He promises that he won't leave us alone. He promises that he'll walk in yoke with us. So Father God, we stretch our arms. I stretch my right arm up. I don't want to be a slave anymore. I don't want anything to hold me back from being exactly what you want me to be. And I ask you to grip my hand, pull me out of the mud and the mire, pull me out of the pit, set my feet on the solid foundation that is Jesus, and set me free. In Jesus' name, amen.